I want you to open your Bible this morning to 1 Samuel chapter 17. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to look at one of the great accounts in the Word of God. And we'll have scriptures up on the screen as we go. But uh, I want the Lord to really help you this morning. I want him to help me. And this is a message that if we'll just, by the grace of God, grab hold of it in our heart, it will help us. I often hear people say, well, well, this is just the bottom line. What they mean is, this is it. I mean, we can't go any further. This is the bottom line. This is what really matters. And so I would take that and ask you, what is the bottom line in your life? If you say, well, Brother Fred, this, this is who I am. This is why I'm living. This is what I'm living for. Uh, let, let me just say this. There are many facets of my life, but the bottom line of my life is this. Now, that would be a good thing to assess. M- many people might say many things. But I remember a few things that people said, a, a, a couple in the Bible, but one who was a great man of God. The bottom line for Leonard Ravenhill's life, and by the way, he has such a small little tombstone, nothing magnificent for such a giant in the kingdom of God. And you know what's on his tombstone? I got it on the, one of my bureaus or whatever you call those things in my study. It's what you're living for, worth Christ dying for. He said, assess your life. Is your life worthy of Jesus dying and suffering and shedding his blood so that you could be saved? Is what you're living for really worth what Christ died for? But then, you know, Paul, he said it. In Philippians chapter 1, he had a way of saying things. In verse 21, Paul said this. He said, uh, I'm praying that in nothing I'll be ashamed. He was kind of giving us the bottom line now. He was giving us the bottom line. According to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I will be ashamed, but that Christ, this is the bottom line, will be magnified in my body whether by life or by death. It doesn't matter to me if I live or die. What matters to me is the bottom line, that Christ will be magnified in my life, whether living or dying. But nobody said it better. What was the bottom line in Jesus' life? I mean, did he ever tell us? He said, this is the bottom line. Oh, yeah, he did. In John chapter 17, verse 5, well, Paul said in Philippians 4, 121, for me to live is Christ and die is gain, but that's being magnified in his body. But Jesus, in John 17, 5, now this was the bottom line. He said, Father, I have glorified you on earth. I have finished the work you gave me to do. Now that's the bottom line. Father, I have glorified you on earth. 
and I'll finish the work you gave me to do. I believe the bottom line in every child of God's life ought to be, listen to me carefully, that God's life, that our life will give God glory. You see, we, we, we need to be jealous. You say, no, Brother Fred, jealousy is bad. Some jealousy is, but jealousy for the glory of God is not bad. I am jealous that not the world or any person, I am jealous that God will be glorified in my life. Hey, that's the bottom line, that God would be glorified in your life, in your particular life, in his own way. You need to be jealous that God, I don't want to live and die without my life giving you glory for who you are and what you've done for me. You know, the account of David and Goliath, we read that story many times, and we're going to look at it in 1 Samuel 17, but we think it was all about David being a mighty warrior and how David slew the giant and and how God enabled him to do so. But that's not the main part of the story. David was jealous for the glory of God. When he got over there and saw that giant Goliath humiliating the people of God, defying the armies of God, I mean, David, he absolutely got so jealous for the glory of God. He said, look, reproach is brought on Israel. And, uh, and, and he, he just saw that Goliath had robbed God of the glory that was due his name among his people. And so I want us to look at how the bottom line for David, not only in his battle with Goliath, but for his whole life was for God to be glorified in his life. And I want to show you how God wants to be glorified in your life. You know, as you look at the story, the first thing you see is, uh, is Goliath robbing God of his glory. Look up on the screen, it says. Then he stood and cried out to the armies of Israel. This is Goliath. He stood and cried out to the armies of Israel, said to them, why have you come out to the line to battle? Am I not a Philistine? And you the servants of Saul, choose a man from among yourselves to come and die for me. Then it goes on in verse 9 of 1 Samuel 17. And it says, if he is able to, Goliath said, if he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if you prevail against him, if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants. And listen to what Goliath said. He was, he was just spitting in the face of God. He said, and the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we might fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. I'm telling you, Goliath just was saying, where is your God? Where is it? I defy the armies of Israel. And he says later in there, I defy the armies of the living God. Well, I want you to look at David's first encounter with that giant. In chapter 17, verses 23 and 24, look at David's response to it now. 
I know what his brothers were doing. He had three older brothers in the army. And they were afraid and they were, uh, would not be confronted by uh, Goliath. Hey, by the way, for 40 days. You know, 40 days are pretty significant in the Bible. I mean, you know, Moses was in the uh, desert 40 days and God called him. And Jesus spent 40 days in the desert and was tempted by the devil. 40 days are significant. But for 40 days, Goliath would come down into the, to the, uh, the, the Israel was on one mountain and uh, the Philistines on the other mountain and Goliath would come down and he would just say, come on, I just need, let, let, let's just settle it. Somebody come and fight me. If he wins, we're your servants. If, if I win, you're our servants. He did it for 40 days. And the Israelites and the army of Saul just cowered down. Well, all of a sudden, David comes on the scene. And look in chapter 17, verse 23. Then as he talked with them, David was talking to his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of the Philistines. And he spoke words according to the same words. So David heard them. He came down and challenged them. David heard Goliath for the first time. And all of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were deadfully, dreadfully afraid. So this just blew David's mind. Now, you've got to understand, David was a young man. He was probably 19 or 20. The Bible says he had a ruddy complexion and good looking. Reminds me when I was young. But anyway, <laughs> I thought that. I said, that's not true. But it said that of David. He had a ruddy complexion and was good looking. But anyway, David couldn't understand this. Why in the world didn't somebody stand up for God's glory? Why didn't somebody defend the glory of God? It was just beyond him. And so he he just said, well, I'm I'm not going to put up with this. Look down in verse uh, 26. Then David said to the men who stood by him, There were men standing by him. What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? See, it wasn't about David and Goliath. Israel were the people of God. It was about the reproach of Israel, God's people, being mocked and defeated. Who will take away the reproach from Israel? And boy, did he ever understand who Goliath was. Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Woo! Give me a thousand more like him. He said, who does Goliath think he is to defy the armies of the living God and to make reproach upon the people of God? And, 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 uh, and the people answered him in this manner and said, so shall it be for the man who kills him. Now, what, what, what the king had said, whoever kills Goliath, I'll give him part of my kingdom and his family will never have to pay taxes anymore. That's not a bad deal. And said, I'll give him my daughter to marry. Well, it depends on what she looks like. I mean, I, mean, I want a little choice in this now. I mean, give me a picture of her before I go out there. But he, was going, he, he said, look, I'll give him my daughter. I'll give him no, I have to pay taxes anymore. And I'll give him part of my kingdom. If somebody will just go. Well, and David said, who is this guy anyway to stand against the armies of the living God? 
and, 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 he, and his brothers got upset with him. Listen, you've been over there taking care of a few sheep, and now you come down here, and you've come down here to watch us all get killed. I mean, you've just come down here to witness the slaughter and, 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 and just putting David down. But then he said it. Don't you miss this. Look at verse 29. And David said, what have I done now? Why are you criticizing me because I said Goliath has no right to defy the armies of God? He says, what have I done? Is there not a cause? He said, David. David said, I haven't done anything but said he has no right to defy the armies of the living God. He's robbing God of his glory. He said, let me ask you, is there not a cause? Shouldn't somebody do something now? And he said it again. They just kind of mocked. He said, is there not a cause? And then David goes on. And, and, and look in verse 32. He had a passion for God's glory. The cause was that he wanted God to be glorified in Israel. He wanted God, the reproach of Israel, to be taken away. He wanted the people to know that there was a God in Israel. And by the way, look back in verse 26. When David asked what would happen, he said, Then David spoke to the man who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills the Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine to defy the armies of of the living God? And then he goes on down. It says, is there not a cause? And and then he goes to uh, Saul. Somebody went to Saul and said, there's a young guy out here. And he said, he'll go fight Goliath. He'll go fight him. He'll, He'll bring back the glory of God in this situation. And then verse 32, Saul sent for David. Then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight the Philistine. Well, Saul said if what everybody else said. David, you're young. You, you're, not, you're not an experienced soldier. And Goliath has been a soldier all his life. And Saul said, it, it'll just be slaughtered. David, you don't need to do it. You don't need to do it. But David was burning with a cause. There was a cause in his heart that the glory of God would be restored, that the glory of God would come back to Israel. And so he just had that passion for the glory of God. Look in verse um, 36. Uh, This David said to uh, Saul, now I can kill Goliath. I'll tell you how I can do it. Verse 36. Your servant, David, your servant has killed both a lion and a bear well, that, that's pretty good. And, and, and the thing about it was, uh, it looked back in verse 34, and David said to Saul, your servant used to keep his father's sheep. And when a lion, a bear came out and took the lamb out of the flock, I went after it, struck it, delivered the lamb from its mouth. And when it arose, I caught it by its beard. Woo. Hand-to-hand battle, I guess, with that bear, the lion. I caught it by its beard and struck it and killed it. And then he said... Your servant has killed both lion and bear, verse 36. And this uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them, seeing he has defied the armies of the living God. And boy, look at the next verse. And this is going to help you when I talk about the giants in your life that have been mocking you, 
and confronting you and robbing you of the glory of God in your life. Listen to what he says in verse 37. And moreover, David said, don't miss this. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear, he will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. And Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. He said the same God that delivered that barren line is the same God that's going to deliver uh, that Philistine into my hand. Well, it's all about God's glory. David longs for the glory of God. Verse 40 said he took in his hand his staff, his slingshot, and five stones. All right, verse 41. So the Philistine came and began drawing near to David, and the man who bore the shield went before him. Now, it looks like it's kind of a bad scene because here's Goliath, and he's not only quite a, quite a figure, but he has a, a shield bearer in front of him. And you say, well, Brother Fred, this, this, this is not good. I mean, it's Goliath, and he's a giant, and, and, and he's got somebody that's got this big shield that's going in front of him. It's two to one. David hasn't got a chance. Oh, no, you missed it. <laughs> I thought about this and just started laughing. Oh, no, it wasn't two to one. It was four to two. <laughs> David had Jehovah Elohim, Jesus, and the Holy Ghost. It wasn't two to one. It was four to two. And God plus one is the majority. Now, if you believe that, you can slay some giants in your life. David went out there, man, in the power of God. It didn't matter how big Goliath was. It didn't matter how many shields he had. David knew that it was God's work and it wasn't his work. And God had to slay the giants in his life. And, and look at verse 43. Well, let, let's jump on over to 45. Goliath said, am I a dog? You came out to me with a stick. He had his staff. He said, I mean, this is kind of making fun of me. Look at verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin. I love this. You say this to the giants in your life. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts and the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defiled. He said, I'm coming in the name of the living God. And look at verse 46. This day, Goliath, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you and take your head from you. Wow. David, you better get with it because you done challenged him. Look at the next, next verse, verse the 47. He says, no, he's on the rest of 46. I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistine to the birds of the air. Now, this is what it's all about. And the wild beast of the earth, here it is. This is why David went to fight Goliath, that all the earth may know there's a God in Israel. Now, let me tell you something. The giants that are in your life that God wants to slay, you know why he wants to slay them? Because he wants the people you work to know that there's a God in your life, that God is real, and that he's the living God. And the, a child of God, God plus one, is, is a winner in any situation. He said, it's not about me. It ain't even about Goliath. 
It's about the glory of God. And I want everybody to know, I want everybody to know that there's a God in Israel. And then verse 47, he says, all this assembly will know the Lord does not save with sword and spear. You know, I hadn't even got that. All I got is a slingshot. The Lord does not save with sword and spear. For the battle is what? The, oh, you mean the battle is the Lord's. You mean God's the one that's going to fight against Goliath. You mean, David, you're just a vehicle through which God is going to accomplish his purpose. He said, you're exactly right. It's not my battle. The battle is God's. And he wants to establish his glory and let the whole earth know that there's a God in Mobile, Alabama, and that there's a God. And see, it's about the glory of God. When the giants come into our life and try to slay us and knock us down, it's the battle is all about this. Is God real? Is God alive? Is God powerful? Can God slay giants? And the answer is yes. You know, David didn't even say much about that giant. He just talked about God. Two times he mentioned Goliath. And nine times he mentioned God. The battle is the Lord. Well, I want to talk to you about how you slay the giants in your life. You know, every one of us have giants that, that we battle in our life. I mean spiritual giants. We battle them all the time. And, uh, you know, what we need to be in fighting these battles Yes, we want God to forgive us when we've sinned. Yes, we want God to deliver us from the battle we're in. But the main thing is this. God, I I want victory in this so that my wife and children will know that that God is real. And so the people I work with will know God is real. If I crumble and go down before Goliath, they're going to say, well, where is your God? Where is your God? Lord, the reason I want victory, it's not just that I want victory, it's I just want God to be glorified in my life because that's the bottom line, that God will be glorified in my life. So, Lord, let's slay these giants. Let's slay them so that you'll have glory in my life and people will know that God is real. That's what David was all about. Well, you know, you need to be jealous for God to be glorified in your life. You need to have a holy jealousy. Lord, I, I, don't, I don't want man's glory. It's not about man's praise. It's not about who I am. It's not about what I accomplish. Lord, I, I, here's the bottom line. I want my children to know that you're the God of my life. And I am what I am by the grace of God. And if it wasn't for Jesus, I wouldn't be anything. See, I I know, Lord, it's all about your glory. But I I don't want to see the people that know I'm a Christian see me getting knocked down and and just wallowing after some giant has knocked me down. I want to be like David. I want to stand in the power of God and slay those giants. Well, this is the first thing you got to do when you come up against the giants in your life. Number one, you've got to stop looking at the giants. That's all you do. You just look at the giants. You just look at those mountains, those giants in your life. Now, this is amazing to me. I had a dream. I don't remember if it was Tuesday or Wednesday. I had no understanding of what it was. 
But all I can remember was, as I was standing just like this, and there was the tallest man I've ever seen standing beside me. I mean, he was tall. And I looked up at him. I said, how tall are you? He wouldn't even answer me. And the dream was over. Well, Lord, I got to read this. And you know how tall Goliath was? Nine feet, nine inches tall. Nine feet, nine inches tall? That's how tall he was. He had to weigh 400 pounds. The armor he had weighed 125 pounds. Just the armor. He was a five-star recruit. I want you to know that. Every football team in America wanted to glide. <laughs> Alabama offered him a scholarship. Auburn offered him a scholarship. He was going to be a tight end. Oh, yeah, this was one big human being, okay? Nine feet nine. But you know, he turned him down. You know what he said? I don't think I'm going to live too long. <laughs> Did you get that? He didn't know it, but he wasn't going to live long enough. But see, how tall are the giants in your life? How big are they? You say, Brother Fred, that's the tallest giant I've ever seen in my life. I've been battling him tooth and nail for most of my life. And, and he's not dead yet, okay? You've got to realize now, David said, the battle is the Lord's. He said, you come out with me and with sword and spear. He says, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. You know, I got to thinking about some of the giants that in our life that we just look at all the time and how they rob us of the glory of God. You know, we just got to face some giants. You know, it's painful to admit some of the giants that we fight. But I just said, Lord, what are some of the giants we fight in our life? You know, the first thing he mentioned to me was selfishness. He said, you know, everybody battles selfishness. I said, Lord, that's right. You can be saved, and you can still have a battle with selfishness. Now, one way you know you're having a battle with selfishness is, is when everything goes your way, you're fine. When everything doesn't go your way, you're not fine. I mean, that's right. I, I was thinking about, uh, you know, you, you, you think selfishness is, I've got a piece of bread and I won't give somebody that. that, that that's, it's a whole lot more than that. It's a whole lot more than, well, I can buy, give somebody a loaf of bread and I can give somebody some food. That, that's not being selfish. And that's not being selfish. Oh, it's not being selfish. It isn't. That's good. You know, it, it, my wife and I, when we go to lunch now, we, we've learned to we split. We half things. She said, don't say split it. Tell them you want to half it. And we do, and I give her one-third, and I get two-thirds. It works out good every time. <laughs> See, I'm not being selfish. We're halving it. No, we're not halving it. But, you know, I tell you, sometimes God shows me how selfish I am. But I come against that giant because God knows, and it's a battle. You know, I'll be settled in my chair, just relaxing. And, you know, once you get your body down at my age, it's difficult to get it up. You see, rise, and it will not rise. <laughs> and she says, now, don't forget to take the dog out. I'll take him out. 
And I'm going to. It, it may be 30 minutes, but I'm going to. Have you taken the dog out yet? No. And it irritates me. Well, y'all know nothing bothers y'all like that. But you know what that is? That's selfishness. Don't, don't, man, I am comfortable in this chair. Don't bother me. And that's just plain selfishness. You know, and you can put a lot of names on it. But, you know, when, you, when you're inconvenienced, when your schedule is interrupted, when your life is, a demand is made on it, how do you respond? Are you selfish? You say, Brother Fred, you've quit preaching and started meddling. That's just things that go on at home. Oh, oh, so it doesn't matter what goes on at home, okay? I tell you, we all battle that giant of selfishness. And the Bible says selflessness. If any man would come after me, let him deny himself. Take his place in death and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus was the most selfless human being that ever lived. And you know, the great men and women of God in history have been totally selfless. They just, it wasn't about them. They laid down their life for the brethren. And they had gotten beyond being convenient and uninterrupted and living their own little world. They had slayed the giant of selfishness. And I'm going to be honest with you. I can't do that in my own power. You have to say, Lord Jesus, that is a giant. And Lord, I want you to slay, slay the giant of selfishness in my life. I want you to slay it. We'll get it. Oh, there we go. I don't know what that was. But so I won't be living for myself. But I'll be, my world will be bigger than the world of selfishness. Then I got to thinking about another giant that we deal with. And, and it's just part of life. I mean, but they're real. And, and that's the giant of covetousness. I had a man say to me, and I never thought about this, but I want you to get this in your spirit. He said, a person had a vision, and God said to that person, I'm going to take you over every country. I don't believe the devil likes what I'm saying. <laughs> he said, I'm going to take you over every country in the world, and I'm going to show you the problem, the big major sin and problem of that country. And so this person in the spirit just went to China and Japan and America and Somalia and Haiti and all the major countries of the world. And you know what the major problem was in every country? It was a sin of covetousness. The sin of covetousness. You know the Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. You say that couldn't be true in Haiti. They don't have anything anyway. That couldn't be true in Somalia. Hey, wait a minute. Did you know there's enough food in the world to feed everybody if those corrupt people in government would let it go to the people? It never gets to the people. The corrupt people, 
they, they keep it for themselves. Hey, you've got to understand. Greed and covetousness. Why did we have the collapse in America about eight years ago when all the equity in our home went down the tube? It was because people in places of power were giving themselves big money and it was just all about covetousness. And you know, John the Baptist said when Jesus came, he was going to lay the ax to the tree. And I'm going to tell you something. You know the, the tree in your life that God's got to lay the ax to? It's called covetousness. It's called greed. It's called letting money be your God. It's called letting things be your God. I mean, God has to lay that. You know what the Bible says about covetousness? It's idolatry. It's idolatry. Covetousness is idolatry. You want that more than you want God. Is there anything in your life you want more than God? Then that's covetousness. It's idolatry. And Jesus wants to lay the ax to the root of the tree. Why, why is there the drug traffic? Why is there the prostitution? Why, why is there the corruption here and there? Why do people cheat? It's all about money, covetous, the love of money. And listen, that's a giant you have to slay in your life. You've got to slay that. You have to slay that by the power of God where you are thankful for what you have. You have money, but it doesn't have you. And you have things, but things are not your God. You're free. You're free from the slave, the giant of covetousness that would control your life. You have to slay that giant. I'm telling you, you do. I'd be a lot better off if I'd have slain it earlier. Is there anything you want more than God that's more important to you than God? That's a giant. You've got to slay it. It's called the giant of covetousness. Let me go on and just mention two or three others real quick and tell you how to kill them. All right? Addiction. You've got to slay the giant of addiction. Okay, it could be alcohol. It could be prescription drugs. Now, we all take drugs, prescription drugs. And you take them according to the doctor prescribes them. That's fine. But what about the people who abuse them, the people who take them? They weren't prescribed for them. It's, you know, the guy they closed the pharmacy down in Pritchard because he was selling codeine over the counter. You know, you've got to understand, it could be alcohol, it could be prescription drugs, it could be street drugs, pornography, probably the most addictive thing that's going on all across America, and it involves the people in the church, pornography, sexual sin. Hey, is it, what are you addicted to? What giant in your life are you addicted to that has you by the throat, and he's saying, who are you? I'll slay you. And the birds will eat your carcass. And you, you need to look at him and say, you uncircumcised Philistine, who are you? I'm a child of the living God. It, you have to slay the giant of addiction. Now, don't act like nobody around here has addictions. I know they do. We all battle them. But let me tell you one thing. That's a giant. And I want to tell you, Jesus is bigger than the giant of selfishness. And Jesus is greater than the, the giant of covetousness. And Jesus is greater than any addiction you will ever face. There is victory in Jesus, and it's more than a song. We have to kill those giants. Worry. You've got to kill that giant. Bitterness. You've got to kill that giant. Unforgiveness. You've got to kill that giant. Self-pity. Oh, I've had such a bad life, you know. You're not going to say that to God when you stand before him. 
He said, look, I blessed you with every blessing in my son. I gave you every spiritual blessing in Jesus. What giants have you got to slay in your life? Well, let me tell you how you do it. You just got to surrender your life to Jesus. You just got to turn it over to him. David said, I don't come to you with sword or spear, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts. And you look at those giants and say, I don't come to you in my own power. I come to you in the power of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus, I slay the giant of selfishness. And, and Lord Jesus, take it out of my life. Take it out of my life. Take it out of my life. And you keep coming against that giant. You may not kill him with the first stone, but you sow the second stone. And you say, keep coming and saying, in the name of Jesus, I come against every giant that's got me bound and that's robbing God of his glory in my life. You don't don't have to be you, you you can slay Goliath I'm telling you you can and you do it by surrender by surrender and depending on God you can't do it yourself that's why you're still battling that giant you've got to go in the power of God like David did and I'm telling you what you've got to stay close to God you've got to get in the word I mean you've got to get in the word of God I mean, if you're going to slay the giants, you've got to find out what God says about marriage and what God says about forgiveness and what God says about pornography and what God says about uh, addictions and what God says about, and, and you just say, God, you, you said your word to have I hid in my heart so I wouldn't sin against you. And, and so you surrender to the Lord and you get in the word and you start praying and you say, I will not live with the giants. For 40 days, the people of God were intimidated by a giant. How long have you been intimidated by a giant? Why don't you rise up and say, enough is enough. Is there not a cause? Is there not a cause? Can I not fight by the power of God and slay that giant? Is there not a cause? Yes, the glory of God. You've got to surrender. You've got to get in the word of God. You've got to pray. You've got to worship. You've got to worship. You've got to worship. Come together with the people of God and worship. Come together in a life group and study the word of God and get strong so that when the giant comes, you say, I come not with sword or spear, but I come in the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name. Thank God we have victory over the giants. You say, well, I've killed about 200, Brother Fred. You've got about 200 more to go. I've killed a bunch of giants in my day. And I thank God they're dead and I'm free. But I still got some. But I'm just going to say to them, I'm a child of God. And you have no power against me or over me. And in the name of Jesus, I refuse for you to sabotage my life and keep me from giving my life from giving God the glory. And that's what you need to do. And you just make it in your heart now that you're going to deal with those giants, Okay. Don't go away. So that's nice, Brother Fred. No, I want to hear about some giants that have been killed. That are laid out. You know, I don't know. It was kind of gruesome. David carried Goliath's head on a platter and gave it to Saul. I, I, didn't want, to, I don't want his head. I mean, I'm telling you right now. That's what David did. He went, he kept, you know what he was saying? Saul, you've got to realize there is a God in Israel. And no giant is bigger than our God.